Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association. Bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. More than a half a billion dollar bill to upgrade AmFam Field is not a home run yet. Coming up, the changes lawmakers are proposing to win over senators. Plus, Wisconsin's DNR secretary is retiring less than a year after his appointment. And the GOP push to end scholarship programs that use race as criteria. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for October 27th. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. Well, it looks like in the state Senate they're going to have to go extra innings. Oh. I know, I was thinking about that pun all day. When it comes to the massive sweeping proposal to fund AmFam Field. Um, now, we learned this week after I spoke to Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue, it is apparent that he does not just have um, enough votes in the Senate. He doesn't have Republican votes. He doesn't have enough Democrats. You know, the real magic number is 17 votes to get any bill across the finish line. Typically, he wants 17 Republicans, mm -hmm. his caucus, to reach that last hurdle. But right now, they're just not quite there yet. Um, that's what we learned ahead of the committee hearing on Wednesday, where basically the bill sponsors try to offer a series of changes to the bill and attempt to win over Republicans and Democrats. Now, these are many changes that you and I have been reporting on, JR for many, many weeks now, but we're trying to, I guess, narrow down to some of the big three or four that we can see the Senate um, adopt an amendment. One includes, um, you know, concerts. If there's a monster truck show, those events would have a ticket tax on them. A ticket tax on brewer's tickets is completely a non-starter, what we heard from both sides of the aisle, even though some people still want one. They were also looking at the stadium district board having an audit of their finances and uh, having a workforce study group to study development, possible development around the uh, stadium. So where do we go from here? I mean, listening to the public hearing, we heard concerns from Republicans and Democrats who are not really sold on the package yet. Um, specifically, let's start with Democrats because this is kind of going to lead into our video. Um, Senator Kelda Roy is a Democrat from Madison, talked about specifically the development issue and Milwaukee uh, County and the city not having representation anymore under this bill uh, on the district board. Starting with development, uh, she likes the idea of having this workforce study. Even the brewers are open to that, but she just wants to have that for sure in the bill, wants to see them do more than, okay, hey, we have these ideas and then we do nothing with them. Um, so let's hear from her and Representative Brooks talking about how we got to be careful what we put in this bill so the brewers, in a sense, are not opposed to it at the end of the day. So let's take a listen, then we'll get more back into this topic. My concern is that the team has been so dead set against um, doing development that it will be a waste of everyone's time and money because at the end of the day, if you can't, if the district doesn't have some way to cut out a little parcel, um, if it's feasible, then the team will just say forget it. If the brewers leave, good luck developing that site for a long time to come because none of those issues that remain as far as utilities, freeway relocation, off-ramps, all of go away if the brewers leave and you lose your main anchor tenant to that area. So I will tell you that if you want this to move along in any way, shape, or form, the first thing to do is secure the brewers staying. 
So like I mentioned, it's not just Democrats that have issues with this bill. We also heard from Senator Julian Bradley, who was, it kind of appears he's a no vote as well as of right now. So when you look at, you know, Milwaukee area Democrats, Madison Democrats in the Senate, some Republicans and no. I mean, it's it might be a few more weeks for them to be sold on this. So the first place you'd go to look, you would think if you are backers of the bill would be the D- Milwaukee Democrats, right? Um, because the stadium's in their backyard. There are four of them. Chris Larson has been a hard no. I mean, we've heard him or seen him on Twitter rip this thing up and down constantly. Tim Carpenter, um, on the day of the hearing, didn't show up to testify, but registered against the bill. I talked to him afterward. He had a number of issues. He wants, for example, to look at uh, ways to do an audit before they spend anything, before anything happens, audit the district board's finances. That's a tough timeline to get done, to want this bill done sometime soon. He talked about trying to lower the cost for taxpayers. He talked about the possibility of having a clawback provision, which basically would say if the team is sold or when it's sold, taxpayers would get a chunk to cover their commitment to the stadium. That is a non-starter. Rob Brooks, a uh, Republican from Sockville in the Assembly, who as co-sponsor addressed that during the hearing saying that doesn't exist in Major League Baseball. Uh, Tim even brought up the idea of having a, a lottery game that would be dedicated the revenue just toward uh, American Family Field. Okay, there's what he's looking for. Uh, Lena Taylor, I talked to her office. Her office said that she's in the no camp right now, but she'll look at amendments, maybe get there. Latanya Johnson is the fourth and final member from the Democratic caucus in the city of Milwaukee. We haven't heard from her just yet. That's not a great start if you're looking to build support from your natural base in Milwaukee. For Democrats in general, you know, unions get a little more on board with this thing, kind of talking about it be a good thing, but what's the impetus, the, the, the drive to get you behind the stadium deal? be fascinating to watch what coalition they can cobble together because, like you said, Devin doesn't have 17 votes, period. Um, if you are going to rely on Democrats, are you enabling them to ask for changes? And then do you threaten the balance of the deal with the assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back then with a massive change, they might say, we can't do A, B, and C of your list of six things, so we're not there. That's a, the balance they have to walk right now. Right, and even Senator Lemahieu told me the other thing he's watching for is, well, we, all, we, we don't want to make dr- dramatic changes where we lose support from Governor Evers. Mm-hmm. Now, what we know now is that Evers supports the bill the assembly passed. So it doesn't have any of these we haven't really heard from him if he likes any of these changes, uh, a ticket tax on non-brewers events, studying development, et cetera. I'm not getting a sense that's going to change him drastically, but if there's other things thrown in this bill, which I think Representative Brooks warned about, like, hey, let's, let's only talk about the things we're talking about now. Let's not throw in a tax cut or some other things and like yeah. that. Because I think it's now you're lobbying for, well, what do you want? But the scope of what people want has to keep it narrow in order to to get the bill across the finish line. Yeah, to your point, like Steve Noss of Whitewater Republican, he wants to attach that tax cut to the Brewers' right. bill. Yeah. That's a sign of you're not going to get him, so don't worry about him. In the minds of backers, at least, where do you go to others what they want to try and get him on board? All right. Now let's move uh, on to some election bills. There was a joint hearing this week with the Senate and Assembly, and they talked about a variety of proposals, but some were really focused um, this week on a pair of constitutional amendments. Now, these are, of course, not the only election bills that are being discussed that would alter how they're administered, et cetera, um, but these were the two that were highlighted. One would ban non-citizens from voting in any state or local election. The other constitutional amendment 
Amendment would prohibit local governments from accepting private grant money. Now, we saw that pass last um, uh, session, both of these, so as long as they get through uh, the GOP-controlled legislature, they will be on uh, next year's ballot. Um, looking at these, um, these are some of proposals that are in addition to a lot of bipartisan proposals that Representative uh, Scott Krug has brought to his committee. He's the chair of the assembly side. And I spoke to him last week specifically about, you know, what is your ultimate goal? And he has said all along that we don't want to bring forth bills that don't have a chance of surviving or even getting across the finish line to Governor Tony Evers' desk. Because we know last session there was, I think, almost nearly two dozen bills that Governor Evers vetoed that would have drastically overhauled elections. Evers' main argument was that it would make it harder for people to vote with a lot of these changes. So this is kind of, I guess, turning the page is what uh, Representative Krug talked about. Let's just take a listen to what he had to say about his goal this year. My ultimate end goal is to make sure 2024 isn't another 2020. And knowing the political realities we're in, we're not going to get a complete wish list of the Republicans or a complete wish list of the Democrats. But we've got to find compromise on these ideas that can change. And I just think if we're sitting here talking about these bills and how elections work and who's running them and observing poll workers, I mean, none of this stuff is very rarely accomplished by legislators who are talking about it. So why shouldn't we have some skin in the game, know what's going on, know the people working those uh, polls for 12, 13, 14 hours a day, and, and be there and help out? So some of those bipartisan bills that were heard last week would reinstate voter registration at high school and require certain office holders to serve as election workers. Um, other than that, of course, the committee has heard several others, but at least, you know, it's almost a promising sign that we're seeing bills, even authored by Democrats, even be heard in this committee. Now, looking at reinstating voter registration in high school, that's not a big, you know, overhaul per se or controversial issue. But it's good to see some progress. Yeah, and the amendments are a reflection of the inability to reach agreement between Republicans and Democratic Governor Tony Evers about these things. They're also a reflection of complaints from 2020. Um, looking at the two bills, well, one of them is the amendments. One's about banning private money in the administration of elections. That's all about the private grants that went to 200 roughly communities in Wisconsin. The bulk of them, though, to five cities, about 8.5 million um, that typically vote for Democrats. They want to ban private money for the use in election administration. It's Republicans known as sucker bucks no, during the last election cycle. Republicans yeah. still uh, bent in shape about that. The second one was basically inspired because you're seeing places like in California on the East Coast that are allowing non-citizens to vote in local elections, like for school board, for example. They want to make sure you can't do that under state law right now. You have to be an uh, eligible elector, so you're not there. But they want to make sure there's a clear ban on non-citizens voting in uh, local elections, not legal residents. Right, and it's uh, a way that Republicans have been using a lot more often to bypass mm -hmm. Governor Tony Evers because he can't veto constitutional amendments. All right, now let's now move over to a shakeup in the Department of Natural Resources. After we learned this week, the DNR secretary, well, no longer secretary, Adam Payne, uh, is going to resign. He said he will be in this position until November 1st, and it comes after just less than a year that he was on the job, saying that he wants to spend more time with his family and his aging parents and, of course, grandchildren as well. Uh, we talked to him after the board meeting on Wednesday. He said this has been weighing on him for about eight weeks. Uh, both his parents and his wife's parents are in their 80s and having health issues. You're talking about, I mean, these jobs are all consuming when you're a secretary at times. You can be on the road a lot, going to meetings, hearing from various groups, and it just became too much for him. He said he had to, he had to step down and focus on his family. 
Um, anything about a replacement that you've been hearing about, JR? All in the government's office, they'll be very done expeditiously. So we'll see how quickly they can move. But this seemed to become a surprise that he stepped down. And it's also, you know, a bit of a shakeup for the agency because you have four board members who were um, fired by the state Senate. And now this within the span of like, I don't know, 10 days, a week, something like that. Right. Okay, now we're going to move on to another public hearing that was held this week that focused on driver's education and reckless driving, addressing it, I should say. Um, now, one bill would specifically uh, lower the cost of driver's education classes by making them more affordable. Um, it would also uh, penalize dangerous drivers that have multiple offenses. They would be at risk of losing their vehicle under a pair of both bills that are bipartisan. Um, this is another initiative um, led by Representative uh, Bob Donovan to address uh, dangerous driving in Wisconsin. Also, he's from Milwaukee, where it is a, a, much, uh, a much bigger problem as well, but we're seeing it uh, kind of be spread across the states. Um, now, looking at the driver's ed bill, what it would specifically do is we already knew in the state budget there was $6 million set aside um, to pay for this driver's ed grant program, which is designed to help low-income families afford the cost of this because it could be roughly somewhere between $400 to $600 to pay for this. Yes, it can. Uh, yes, it can, <laughs> as you know, with two teenager boys. Well, not so not uh, much older now, one <laughs> in college, but uh, you've been through it. So um, with the $600 million, what this bill would basically do is allow the program to continue by collecting insurance uh, or fees that insurance companies collect. Um, that was uh, the part of the bill that was um, spearheaded by Common Ground, who is a community-based group in southeast Wisconsin. Um, they also worked to get this across the finish line. They brought this to uh, Bob Donovan, so it's likely going to get through the legislature as we're not seeing too much uh, backlash to it. Um, let's hear from a pair of students, though, that also kind of really talked about how this really impacted their lives. They come from big families. Um, they're not really able to afford this. And they had some good testimony. So let's take a listen to it. 500 to $600 is a lot of money to me personally and my family. The way that I get to school now is bus or bike or they can drop me off occasionally, but they take third shift. So it's hard for them. And then sometimes the bus route could go wrong or my, or my bike, people are driving reckless. So now I got to take a different route. That really just messes with the way that I get to school and the time I get to school. I want my driver's license because it's just gonna help, it's gonna help my family as a whole. Today we have young adults that drive recklessly or forgo driver's education altogether. While this will not completely solve the reckless driving problems, we have removed the financial barrier with this bill. Grant money would be available to students who qualify for free or reduced price lunch in public, choice, charter, or home schools. There's another bill that's also circling for a co-sponsorship that would um, impound cars for 90 days if someone drives with suspended license. Um, they speed over 25 miles over the um, limit, flees from a law enforcement officer, or is cited uh, for racing on the highway. Um, that's Senator Jacques' bill that he's hoping to get through. But this is kind of speaking to a larger, larger issue because it was also um, earlier this spring in April and May, Evers signed a pair of um, bipartisan reckless driving bills that would basically stiffen penalties on those who already have that stuff on their record. So you know, what argument you're hearing is that if you bring back driver's ed or improve driver's ed, you're going to teach people to be more responsible so they don't get in those habits. We'll see if that actually works, but it's part of a multifaceted approach. Right, and it's been nearly two decades since there's even been a state-funded driver's ed course, which is 
baffling to me. Obviously, mm. I didn't live here at that time, but you know, we went through school. We yep. had that, so it was kind of almost a luxury now. Um, but good to see that back in back in there. All right, now let's go to more of a controversial bill that was up for a public hearing on Thursday, which focused on eliminating race-based criteria when it comes to students who apply for scholarships, grants, or other loans. Um, Republican lawmakers are seeking to basically eliminate that, which comes on the heels of the U.S. Supreme Court decision uh, in June that eliminated that took a firm of action that eliminated race-based criteria for admissions, but it left out scholarships, loans, and grants. So that's still on the table. Um, so the two authors uh, of the bill are Representative Rittner and Senator Wimberger from Green Bay, and they said their intent behind this bill was to ensure that not just low-income students, but or, or I should say, not just students of colors, they want all disadvantaged students to be eligible for these opportunities. During the hearing, I would say it got a little bit testy um, between uh, Representative uh, Rittner, who was speaking in favor of his bill, and some Democrats that were questioning it because Democrats, their concern is that this not only is going to impact colleges and universities, it's going to have a ripple effect in, say, you know, minority uh, teacher loan programs, uh, those that use those in college to basically address racial disparities in uh, K through 12 schools. Um, let's just take a listen between um, Democrats and Republicans kind of dueling and sparring about this bill. I think that uh, this is proactive and forward thinking, and I think shifting to a different uh, criteria uh, that better represents um, allowing everyone to have that equal opportunity to, to apply, um, get in and uh, seek, uh, seek funds if there's a true financial need. I guess I have never seen legislators introduce bills as if they're winking at the Supreme Court, and it sure feels like you're egging them on here um, and cheering them on. So I just want to ask you a yes or no question. Do you want to end all race-based grants and loan programs in the state of Wisconsin? I believe that they are unconstitutional. And ultimately, by passing this legislation, I'm not sure how that would be sending a wink-wink signal to the Supreme Court to do what this bill would have subsequently you're, already yeah, done. You're essentially trying to preempt them. You're, you're, you're letting the tail wake the dog. You're saying, I support what they're going to do, so I'm going to do it early. To sit here and say that we need to sit here and, and subsequently just wait, I think, is absurd. It kind of ties the hands of this body. This was a hearing that lasted several hours because mm -hmm. there was a lot of other bills that were brought up about freedom of speech on campus, uh, also Republican back bill. Um, but where this goes from here, I mean, I think indication if it would get through the GOP state legislature, a spokesman for spokeswoman, excuse me, for Governor Evers already indicated that he would likely veto it. Yeah, this is an outgrowth of the Supreme Court decision and indication of a bigger issue Republicans are pushing. Right? I mean, diversity, equity, inclusion, race-based stuff. This is all one big kind of push from them if and when this bill fail, fails, whether it's not getting the legislature or Evers vetoes it, the question becomes, will the Wisconsin's for Law and Liberty, which has pushed these issues quite a bit, go to court and then try and argue that these programs are illegal based off that Supreme Court ruling with admissions. So that's kind of one thing to watch as this progresses. Right, and we already knew this was coming uh, because Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, shortly after uh, the U.S. Supreme Court took affirmative action on uh, race-based admissions, indicated that we're going to take action to mm -hmm. hopefully end this practice, expand it to scholarships and loans and other financial programs. Um, so we'll see if this even gets to the floor or not. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, all right. Also this week, we learned that Wisconsin will join a multi-state lawsuit addressing Meta, which is a social media company that uh, handles Facebook and uh, Instagram. So Attorney General Josh Call on Tuesday joined this coalition of attorney generals in a dozen of so states, alleging that Meta has addictive features developed um, and basically harm young people's mental health that have continued to be really a big focus across the nation of how social media is impacting uh, youth. Um, this is no surprise. He's joined kind of similar lawsuits trying to crack down on this. Um, what's worth noting and pointing out is that Meta officials have pointed to over a dozen features that have changed over the past several years um, designed uh, to include, you know, age verification technology, uh, resources, and other um, uh, things on the app to hopefully deter um, minors from seeing explicit contact, et cetera. Um, but this just speaks to a much larger problem um, that is being uh, debated nationwide. And there's a dual track to these legal challenges. So call is part of this multi-state effort in federal court. I think there are more than half a dozen eight-ish states that have filed lawsuits in their own local jurisdictions as well challenging this. So um, going at it both ends. All right, let's get the stock picks this week. Rising this week is Wisconsin Tech Hubs. So there are 31 declared across the country. We got one of them. What this means is that we are going to get this kind of hub, $350,000 in planning money that can then help us attract millions in federal funding. This is a coalition of public and private interests trying to improve things in the health technology sector. President Biden in announcing these 31 hubs talked about Wisconsin specifically, saying he thinks we're going to, we as in like our state hub, will eventually lead the way to curing some things. Uh, we talked it up. Like Wisconsin has a leg up anytime there's a federal announcement for any kind of program, it seems like. I don't want to say it's because we're a swing state, but it's awfully a coincidence that we always seem to get like make the final cut for a lot of things. Very true. But it's just another example of the outgrowth of money being spent by the federal government through various things for these kind of bipartisan infrastructure law, other ent other endeavors trying to create uh, uh, improve things in this world. All right, and mix this week, a familiar name that has yeah. been in stock picks for a while is uh, Congressman Derek Van Orden. So, luckily for Van Orden and his Republican colleagues, his missing vote did not count or did not impact the vote for speaker. So we have a new speaker, Representative Johnson from Louisiana. Now the question is, what can Johnson do to help Derek Van Orden, and will he help him? So let's first talk about there's already been a examination begun by the national media of Speaker Johnson, who this guy is, what his background is. He's elected in 2016, when the least experienced members of Congress become speaker in I don't know how long. But he said a lot of things that are controversial. Uh, Republicans did a very good job of making Nancy Pelosi a boogie person, mm -hmm. uh, right? For Republicans to drive the base and get all excited, this California liberal and stuff. Democrats wanted the same thing with Speaker Johnson. The challenge might be we have a narrow window to do that. Where we're talking it's late October of 23. The election is a year away in a week. Um, I don't know that Democrats can get that message burned in, but you'll see some efforts to try and like put Republicans on the spot. Do you support Speaker Johnson's comments about gay marriage mm -hmm. or about various things? Okay, there's that thing. The bigger thing for Van Orden is the money piece. Um, Speaker Johnson since he ran in 2016 for Congress, has raised $5.5 overall, okay? Kevin McCarthy raised three times that in the last quarter alone. Republicans lost basically the month of October, fundraising-wise, at like the top. Now, they're all still sending their emails out and everything else, but 
raising money for like the NRCC for like their big groups, they were caught in this like quagmire for three weeks. They lost time to raise money. Now Johnson has to get up to speed and meet those donors who have no idea who he is, who aren't, you know, friendly terms with them. Some members had a Google yes. name, yes. And then that coming weeks, you're talking maybe losing six, eight weeks of like prime fundraising time, so that's a challenge. And that'll be a trickle-down effect for Van Orden, right? A any member of Congress who's in a swing seat. How's that going to impact them going forward? Van Orden, we talked about this last week. He led the delegation fundraising for the last quarter. Got a good chunk of change from McCarthy's pack. Will McCarthy keep up the fundraising? Well, Steve Scalise, the um, uh, number two in House Leadership, he's a good fundraiser, also from Louisiana. Can he step in? Tom Emmer from Minnesota, also in leadership, good fundraiser. These guys both went for the gavel and lost. Will they then step up and help Johnson after they had their shot at the ring? Um, that's a to be determined. Then looking at Van Orden going to Israel, I mean, it's an interesting decision to make. He got kind of like some questions from even the own members of his own delegation, like, why are you doing this now? But people have argued to me, look, this guy's a former Navy SEAL. Right. This is the, you know, the mentality of rush into the, the danger zone, find what's going on. But does it deliver for back home? Does it help back in the 3rd Congressional District? And what adds, or if anything, you know, yeah. I think that was something we were both watching for. If he was going to be that determining vote, where they didn't get 217, yeah. I mean, it would not look yeah. good on commercials, et cetera, campaign ads for the third congressional race. But luckily that didn't happen. So <laughs> we don't know if this Israel trip really resonates with people mm -hmm. back home. What we do know, though, is the Farm Bill does. Yeah. So we have a couple things kind of coming up with uh, Congress right now. I think November 17th, the last continuing resolution runs out. So if we don't have a new deal by the 17th, the government shuts down. Correct. We don't have a Farm Bill. So remember, Derek Van Orden said he's going to be the cheese king in Congress when he got elected. Really made a big deal about getting elected or getting appointed to the Ag Committee, which is a big good thing for him. He's done a very good job in the district of trying to like talk up these bipartisan bona fides and go around the district and talk about issues that care matter people back home. But if you can't get the, dairy, the farm bill done, if the government shuts down, do people go? Republicans can't govern. Like, what are they doing? That's a real issue for him. As a side note. Um, that Democratic primary that's kind of to kind of come together. Uh, Katrina Shanklin uh, released a poll this week. Now, all polling, take a grain of salt, yes. especially this far out from election, especially polling from a campaign. They went to tout their numbers, but basically showed a wide open race of Shanklin, Tara Johnson, and Rebecca Cook. Um, Johnson kind of in third place in that, but you know, all everybody's kind of not that well known. After reading messages, you know. Uh, Katrina jumped to a lead, but take that with a grain of salt as well. But and again, just showing you that that race is heating up. I don't know any of them just yet scare Van Orden Republicans about the race next fall. Right. And just one other note I want to make about Speaker Johnson, too. One thing I'm watching for is how Democrats paint him mm -hmm. um, in the next election cycle. Because like you mentioned, uh, you know, liberals went after Nancy Pelosi when she was Speaker. You know, she's the boogeyman, liberal from uh, California. I mean, he doesn't have a great record that... Republicans are trying to tweak. And what I mean by that is that, you know, he's pro-life, um, uh, pro he's got, you know, anti-abortion policies have not really resonated with a lot of mm -hmm. voters right now. He also has a lot of ties to um, election denialism, helping Trump with a lot of legal troubles um, after that. So those are two issues that 
you know, might come back to bite him and his party going forward. Um, let's move on to falling this week. Uh, we're still going to talk about the topic of DNR uh, because it's a combination of losing a lot of those board members, like you mentioned, too, um, on the DNR uh, board. Excuse me. Just repeat I myself. haven't been here forever, but I can't find an example, far back as I've looked, of losing more than half of a board and the secretary for any agency in the span of a week and a half, 10 days. Yeah. So what's that mean? Well, Governor Rivers pointed four new people to the board right away. Okay. But when you don't have a leader sometimes, uh, that might be demoralizing for the staff because they're like, okay, who's in charge now? What, what do we do? It also can embolden longtime agency staff. He's like, well, there's not a new head of here, so I'm kind of like in charge. My little kind of thief from the agency, I can kind of push more what I think should happen. If it were a Governor Walker, that might be more of a problem, people tell me, because there's a belief, rightly or wrongly, that uh, agency staff are more kind of sympathetic to the Democratic point of view, being a lot of mass and residents. We'll see how that plays out. But two, you know, he'd only been there for 10 months, leaving next week. The DNR is a huge agency. You're, you're pairing together both the hook and bullet crowd, they call it in the Capitol, and the environmental crowd, right? Mm -hmm. Government regulations, the business, everything else. Who do you find to step in? Because don't forget, the Senate just fired four members of the DNR board, uh, the chair of the medical examining board, an appointment to the Domestic Abuse Council, um, per person on the Elections Commission. I mean, who take the job? And do you worry that if I take this job, I might be out in a couple months if they reject me? Because a lot of people come from a good paying job. Like, you don't find people who are making minimum wage to be secretary, right? Sure. They're usually got some expertise, some background, they're making... Do you risk that good-paying job to come be the secretary of DNR and not know if you're going to stick around for more than a few months or a year? That's maybe a tall, tough task to ask. It's hard to kind of plan for yeah. the future, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. That will do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by... The Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.